Amen. Amen. I'm going to put Ryan on the spot. Uh, can you go back to the song? Uh, I think the third verse where it says something about our chains being broken. Can he find it? Steve, help him out. Steve, help him out. Anyway, I can't remember the exact line. It talked about our chains being broken. And, and I just, it struck me that I think too, many, too much of the time, too much of the time we, we, we know that, we say that, we can even sing that, but we don't always live that. You know, we still get caught up and hung up in those things, and, uh, and I don't know that we always celebrate and live and walk in that way. Did, did I totally get that wrong? There it is. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing. I am free. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Through Christ in me. And, and to me, that just, man, um, I just want to encourage us that we can, to remember that, that we get to live that way. We get to live free. And so any of those times that something from our past, something, whether it was the way we were brought up, whether it was a situation that happened in our life, you know, hey, put that back up. Leave that there for a second. I'm going to look at it again and forget it. Um, and uh, we're going to have those moments of reminder or something's going to come up and spark us. And, and, and it's almost like those chains get put right back on. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and the thing that we get to do is we get to remind Satan, we get to remind the enemy that no, we are free from those chains. That is in the past, it's done, it's over, and we have authority over that. And we can sing that I am free. So I don't, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is even doing with you as you are walking into this service today. But I want us to remember this truth. And even as we are walking through the scripture today and finishing up Matthew 6, remember this. The enemy is going to do all he can to trip us up and to get, us, get our eyes off of Jesus. But this right here puts our eyes back on Jesus. And so when those moments come where we feel like I'm back in those chains or the enemy or someone else is bringing it up, say, no, I am free. I am free. And we have authority over that. And we break those chains. A um, couple things real quick I want to remind us about. First of all, this Friday, 7 p.m. is our Good Friday service. And it's going to be a Tenebrae service. And so it's going to be a little bit different in here. And if you've been part of a Tenebrae service, then you know, uh, to me anyway, how cool those, those can be. If you've never been part of a Tenebrae service, I invite you to come. Bring your fan, friends and, uh, because they're pretty powerful. And uh, I think I really enjoy them. I don't know if enjoy is the right word. They are quite awe-inspiring. Let's say it that way. And, uh, and so I encourage you to come out Friday night and be part of that at 7 o'clock. Uh, also want to talk about the gambles. Uh, Chris and Beck right now are in Jerusalem along with the kids. And if you've been paying attention to their Facebook page, they've been putting stuff up there. Well, Beck has been putting stuff up there uh, every day. And so great pictures. And it looks like all they're doing is eating and shopping. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, people know what people want to see, right? Um, and so also cool that uh, the other day, Chris and Beck got to go over to the garden tomb and, and visit there. And so that was pretty neat. But um, 
When they get back, Chris is still on staff here, and he'll still be working for a few more weeks, and he's helping Pastor Luke just get figured out, although I think Luke's done a great job so far this morning. Um, and so, so he'll be here for, on staff a few more weeks, uh, and then May 1st, we're going to be planning in the evening at 6 o'clock down in the Family Life Center, we are going to be doing a gamble goodbye and an opportunity to celebrate um, them as a family. I mean, Chris as, as being a pastor here, but them as a family. And uh, we're going to do a potluck time down there. So more details for that will come out. Uh, but that's going to be May 1st. And that will effectively, at that point, Chris will be done being on staff. So after May 1st, you, you got to call me or Terry or Luke or Cole in the office, okay? Uh, don't call, don't go. Unless you just want to talk to Chris. I mean, you can still call him. But uh, staff-wise, he'll be done as of May 1st. But they are still going to be around. And so don't think, well, they're still around, so I can still call them, right? Um, Only if you want to love on them and care for them. Um, But the month of May, they are our mission's focus for the month of May. And so we're going to be hearing about what they're going to be heading into. And I think they'll have a little bit better idea now that they're coming back. Um, But we're also going to be raising some money for them to help launch them out. And uh, because we are going to launch them. And so if you are wandering around, you will see in our bulletin board back through these doors, we actually have a, a bulletin board focused on them. And there are envelopes there with a number on them. And what we're encouraging folks to do is pull out one of those envelopes and whatever number is on it to stick that much money in it and turn it back into us. And that's going to go straight to the gambles and help launch them. Um, if, if you pull out one that says 25 and you feel led to put in 50, that's okay. They won't send the 25 back. Say, no, nope, you put in too much. No. Uh, so, so just be praying about that. And, and if all you got is a dollar, then put in a dollar. I mean, that's it. You know, that's all they need. And I'm going to say this too. This is to launch them, but what's really important to do is go to the national website and sign up to be a monthly supporter for them ongoing. Because eventually, even if we launch them with a great amount of money, eventually that's going to run out and they're going to need to depend on that monthly gift for them. And as a church, we will designate part of our uh, Great Commission Fund money that will go to them just like we do for all those that we sponsor. Um, But they still will need those individuals to raise the amount that they need. So just want to encourage you to do that. And I can do that because Chris isn't here. He might be watching or listening, but, you know, he's not here so I can talk about him, right? All right. Matthew chapter 6. We are wrapping up today, uh, Matthew chapter 6, in our series on pursuing the Father's heart. Um, Exciting today being Palm Sunday, and this message isn't, you know, really a Palm Sunday message, but it's all about seeing Jesus come in and live in us, and uh, we celebrate him coming in, and next week we will get to celebrate Easter. So, Last week, we looked at the spiritual discipline of simplicity or our treasures in heaven, and we asked three questions. We said, where is your treasure? How is your vision? And who or what do you serve? And if you didn't, didn't get to see that, you can go back. It's available on our YouTube page. It's also available on our podcast, and you can go watch or you can go listen however you want to do that, and we just encourage you to, to do that. So, Throughout this whole 
uh, series, we've been talking about uh, this idea of feel versus real, and I've talked about disc golf, and that's what I enjoy playing. Um, someone told me that I should have gotten up last week and said, uh, for those of you that don't know, you think I'm saying disc golf, but I'm really saying disco, and uh, I'm really into disco, uh, but that's the opposite. I'm really into disc golf, and, uh, and I enjoy it quite a bit, and I use it to get to know people and build a bridge into the community. Um, and so in that, I found a video that's talking about how you, how you feel like you're playing and what you're doing, and are you doing everything correctly, and it may feel like you're doing everything correctly, but you're not getting the right results. So something in there is off. Something is wrong. And so it feels like I'm doing it right, but the result shows that I'm doing something wrong. I also talked about gymnastics, that a lot of times with my daughter, we would tell her, you've got to point your toes. And even Jessica's girls that she coached now, you've got to point your toes. And they say, I am pointing my toes. But then they see a video or a picture of themselves, and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm not pointing my toes. And they feel like they are, but they're not. So they're not really doing it right. Uh, Same with golf. Um, Here's another one. This was one I thought of. Uh, When I was a youth, we used to play this game. I don't know how much of a game it was. It was really just the youth sponsor and the adults embarrassing the kids. Um, Because that's what adults do, right? They like to embarrass teenagers. It's their way of showing you're still a kid, right? We would, they would do, I'll never forget this, I think I was seventh grade and I was picked because I was really little. My nickname in seventh grade was Squirt. There you go, I just said it out loud. Um, Because I was just, I was small, I was small. I fit in the half-size lockers. Um, How do I know this? Okay. Um... But they picked me because I was little, and the way we do is we're, we're, in the, we're over at someone's house, and so it was a low ceiling, and there was a board with a brick on each side, or underneath the board, and I had to stand on the board, and then they blindfolded me. But before they did, they put a handkerchief out on the floor, and they lifted me up to the ceiling to where my head hit the ceiling, okay? So I'm there. And I had to try to jump out and try to land on the handkerchief. Are you picturing this? Okay, so if you do this, you can't jump up because the ceiling's right there, right? Right? So you just got to kind of jump straight out. And so I did it, no blindfold, landed on, the blind, landed on the handkerchief, everything was good. Okay? Then they said, great job, squirt. Now let's blindfold you and see how well you can do it blindfolded. Okay? I'm like, all right, we'll see how this does. So they blindfold me. And they start lifting me up, and I feel the uneasiness of going up, you know, going up. And they're like, okay, you're at the ceiling, and I feel this on my head. And I'm like, okay, I'm at the ceiling. No, I wasn't. They lifted me like two inches off the bricks, so I'm still like right there at the floor. But they took another little board and tapped it on my head and said, oh, you're at the ceiling. So I felt like I was at the ceiling. I felt like I had all I needed. I could picture that handkerchief out there, and I was going to jump and do better than I did with the blindfold off. I was going to do better. But what happens? I am right there at the floor. And so as soon as I go to jump, they tilt the board a little bit, and that floor met me so fast. Now, it was carpeted and padding under the carpet, so I wasn't like landing on anything hard tile. But this is what you, this is what you sponsors did to youth in the 80s. Um... You know, it's just how it was. And I'm like, what in the world? It felt like 
I was up there. How in the world did I get to the floor? Everyone's laughing. I'm laying on the floor trying to figure out how in the world did this happen. Luckily, there was another kid in the other room that didn't see what happened, and they brought him out next to do it again, and I got to see exactly what happened. The kid that went last had no clue what happened. Poor guy. He just, he just wandered around saying, I don't know how I hit the floor so fast. How did that happen? Um, but it felt like everything was right for me. They had set it up for me to succeed. But the reality was, I wasn't even close to being able to succeed. It wasn't going to happen. No matter how much I felt like I was going to jump and land on that handkerchief, there was no way I was going to be able to do it. And so are we setting ourselves up for a feeling of success when we walk with Jesus? Or are we setting ourselves up with a false feeling so in reality there's just no way we're going to be able to do it? And so that's something that we're just thinking about through all of this. Today, my, my, my uh, top topic here at the top of this section says, do not worry. Do not worry. Uh, we've talked about these being spiritual disciplines. For me, I call this the spiritual discipline of faith. The spiritual discipline of faith. Jesus says that we need to increase our faith. <laughs> Jesus constantly said, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> We need to increase our faith. Scripture, many times Paul is writing letters, Peter's writing, he says, he says, pray for your growth in faith, for your faith to grow. Our faith needs to grow. And so it's a spiritual discipline that we practice to grow our faith. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to invite you to stand, and I'm going to read the last uh, nine verses of this chapter, starting in Matthew 25. So Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we thank you again for your word, and we thank you that you have given us your word and this opportunity for us to look at this and to learn from these words of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth today. Father, we ask that you would show us the areas in our lives where we need to increase our faith, or maybe even where we might be accused of having little faith, or to help us to grow in our faith. And Father, so that we can know you more, and understand you more, and trust you more, but also so we can help others that don't know who you are and don't even have any clue about faith. 
at least faith in Jesus, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, who's coming back. Help us grow our faith so that we can share that with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So as we look at the scripture, there's five things real quick that I want us to look at, and all of these are, are things that uh, I think are spiritual disciplines that help grow our faith, spiritual discipline of faith, and the first one is this, that we need to walk in a faith for our physical needs. We need to walk in faith for our physical needs. Verses 25 and 26, and then dropping down to 28 and 30, uh, it says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your Father, Heavenly Father feeds them. 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? It starts with therefore. And of course, therefore, what is it therefore? We look back and it's talking about, you know, treasures in heaven. It's talking about um, the spiritual discipline of simplicity. And so if we're worrying about money, if we're not worrying about money, if we're trusting God instead, therefore, since we're trusting God instead of trusting money, then we also then don't need to worry about our basic needs because God's going to take care of that. And it jumps straight into this whole idea of clothes and food, clothes and food, right? Those are the minimum needs that we have, clothes and food, right? We need those. Clothes and food. It doesn't even say shelter. It just says clothes and food. Those are, the, those are the things that we need. Guess what? Don't worry about them. We worry about them. Anyone stand in front of their closet today going, what am I going to wear today? Anyone change what they wore today from what they originally planned on wearing today? You don't have to raise your hand. But we do that. We even worry about, wait, no. Why do we even do that? Well, we got to look right. We got to look a certain way, Right? Right? I would have loved to put on a pair of jeans this morning. It just felt like a good day to put on a pair of jeans. My wife wore her jeans. John's got on his jeans. They look so comfortable. I went in and put on my blue side. I, I even saw Karen in his jeans. I'm like, man, they're just rubbing it in on me today. We worry about those things. We worry about what we're going to wear. Why do we do that? God says doesn't. And then he brings up the birds and the flowers and the grass. And he says, look, these things don't worry about those things. The birds don't worry about their food. The flowers don't worry about it. They don't even have to spin and labor to grow. It just, it just happens. The grass here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, I cut it every week. It keeps coming back. And it's cold out and it still keeps coming back. Do we, do we trust God for our physical needs that well? Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus sustains all things. I, 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 that includes us. That includes people. Acts 17.25, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. 
We don't have clothes because of us. We don't have food because of us. We have those things because God gives us those things. God gives us those things. Do we recognize that? Do we realize that? This is where man's arrogance comes into it. Because a lot of times we arrogantly think, oh, I did these things. (laughs) Oh, I'm amazed at man's arrogance. We are so arrogant. Jessica was sharing with me the other day that now they're saying that dinosaurs, um, they don't believe dinosaurs necessarily had scales or a thick skin. They actually, most dinosaurs, they think, were covered with feathers. That's, That's their new findings. I don't know how they figured this out. Okay. Personally, what do I think they're doing? You know, they also believe that dinosaurs evolved into what we currently call our own, our birds this today. I think they're just trying to make a link so that they can better support their evolution plan of how dinosaurs became birds. Well, they're already covered with feathers. So, and I just go back to, man, we are so arrogant. We're so arrogant. We think we do these things. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All of our needs. That's what God does. Now, this doesn't mean we don't do our part. We still have to do our part. Scripture is clear on that, that we still have to do our part. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. If you're not willing to work, you shouldn't eat. If you're capable of working, then you work so you can eat. So there's still a responsibility, but we only have that responsibility and we have that opportunity, ability to work and opportunity to work. We get to do that because God has made us able to do those things. And so it's still important for us to do those things. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. We don't work for our boss. We work for the Lord. That's who we're working for because he's the one that provides. He's the one that's given us that opportunity. He's the one that does that for us. God provides all of our needs. Funny little story. I've heard this many, many times. I don't know where, and I'm sure everyone here, well, maybe you've heard it, maybe not, but a guy is in a storm. The storm has come. The flooding has happened. His house is surrounded by water. His car, there's no way he's driving his car out of there. And he starts praying, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. And this big truck with big tires comes by. And this guy's like, I can get you out. And he says, get in the truck. And the guy says, no, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. Truck drives off. Water gets a little bit higher. Now he definitely can't get out, and a boat comes by. And guy in the boat pulls up next to the guy's house, and the guy's up on the second floor in the window now because the water's getting so high. And he says, he goes, hey, I'm here to help you. Get in the boat. I'll take you to safety. He goes, no, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. And then he's up on his roof because the water's gotten so high, and he's saying, Lord, save me. And his helicopter comes by, and they drop a ladder. He says, climb on up. He goes, no, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. House gets covered up with water. He tries to swim for it. He drowns. This is a sad story. He heads up in heaven. He looks at God and says, why didn't you save me? He goes, I sent you a truck. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. What else was I supposed to do? Okay? God gives us the things that we need. God gives us those things. It's not up for us. God gives us all that we need. Our clothes. Our physical needs. Our food. Second thing is we walk in faith recognizing our value to the Father. Verse 26, I didn't read the whole thing earlier, but he says this, it ends uh, this way. 
are you not much more valuable than they? Talking about the birds, talking about the flowers, talking about these things. Are we not much more? Do we truly understand our value to God? Now, I can appreciate that all that we do is filthy rags, and, and I can appreciate that there's nothing that we can do to get to heaven on our own. We cannot be good enough. We cannot act right. We cannot do enough good deeds. That is not us. We, we, we can't do anything. The only way we do anything, yet not I, but Christ in me. That is the only way. The only way our chains are broken eternally is because of Jesus. So it's not us. And so, yes, we can see her say, I am not worthy. I can't do all of those things. But then at the same time, once God is the one that created every single one of us. He knit us together perfectly, exactly how he wanted us to be. He did that. He did that. Exactly how he wanted us. And then we call on him. What do we say? Romans 8.15, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We are his kids, and he loves us, and he values us. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, because you are his sons, daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also in an heir. He values us. We are his kids. Do we, do we understand how much the Lord values us? He values us. He's going to take care of us. He knows what's best. We don't need to worry because he values us. Every single one of us. Now, the problem is we've heard a lot of lies throughout our lives at different times from different people. And that's the enemy trying to devalue us. But we are valuable to him. We are as kids. If you turn the page, uh, you may not even have to turn the page. Matthew chapter 7, starting in 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Because he values us. We are valuable to him. We don't take advantage of that. We go to him humbly, although also boldly. <laughs> Third thing is this, verse 27. We walk in faith because our Father knows our days. The Father knows our days. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can you add a single hour to your life? Now, maybe you can take away a few hours or days by worrying, but, but you're not going to add an hour by worrying. Amazes me. Amazes me. I, I'm just going to say this. I do not understand... I j and if you're, if you're one of these, maybe you can help me understand. When I read this, we can't add a single day, hour to our life. I don't understand end time preppers. I, especially as believers. I, I don't understand it. 
Now, if you've got some, if you do this and you, and you want to help me understand this, I don't understand it because this tells me that God knows everything. He's got our day's number and it doesn't matter what kind of prepping I do. He, he already knows when that day's coming, you know? So for me, I don't completely understand that. And, and if I need a better understanding, please come tell me because I don't want to say I'm right and you're wrong, okay? But when I read this, I don't need to worry about when my last day is, I just need to do everything that I need to do for Jesus here and now because he's going to take care of that. Because when that day comes, that day comes. Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows what our days are going to be. Job 14.5, a person's days are determined. You've decreed the number of his months and have set limits. He cannot exceed. We don't need to worry about those things. Lord, when's my last day? Now, are we given responsibilities? Yes, we're given responsibilities and we get to follow those through. But we don't need to worry about what our last day is going to be. It's going to come when it comes. One of my mom's younger brothers, my uncle, my uncle Mike, um, loved motorcycles, drove motorcycles. Um, I don't have a motorcycle day because of my uncle Mike. Because my Uncle Mike was going, had gotten his hair cut, and he was going by my mom, and then he uh, was going out somewhere, and uh, a van ran a stop sign, and uh, my uncle ran into the van, and it and, uh, was a pretty bad accident. Um, he survived it, uh, but all of his short-term memory was gone, and he lived, and he actually uh, lived much more in a childlike state than an adult state. Uh, as we got older, now this happened when I was late 20s probably, and as we got older and he continued to live, he needed to live with, uh, in assisted living. He couldn't live on his own anymore. As we got older, he would recognize us, but he could tell that something was different because we were getting older and he didn't remember anything past that day. If you ask, what did you do yesterday? He says, your mom cut my hair. That's, that was yesterday. That was forever his yesterday. And we don't understand what that was about. We don't understand, well, Lord, why didn't you just take him then? Um, but my mom one day walked in to visit him at this assisted living, and she says that his face was just glowing like she had never seen. It was just radiantly glowing. And she's like, Mike, what's, what's going on today? And he says, today I'm going to see my Jesus. And, and when you hear that from your younger brother, you get that torn feeling, especially my mom knows Jesus, loves Jesus, you know, but there's still that tear there had really been not really a whole lot of productiveness that happened in his life from that accident to the day this, that she heard this from him. Later that day, he passed away and went and saw Jesus. His days were numbered. God had a set day. And it didn't matter what happened in between, even a car accident, God had a set day for him. So we, need, we don't need to worry about our set days. We don't know if maybe today. Maybe two years from now. God knows. And that's all that matters. The spiritual discipline of faith. We don't need to worry about that. Fourth one, we walk in faith seeking his kingdom. Verses 31 through 33. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows that we need them. 
But instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All of these things will be given to us as well. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We don't set our minds on earthly things. We don't need to worry about these things. God's going to take care of them. We set our mind on him. We seek first his kingdom. And when we seek first his kingdom, all these things will be added. All these things. I, I, I look at my life and I look at all these things that God has added and it amazes me. I remember the first time Jessica and I had the talk about kids, husbands, wives. Uh, have, uh, if you're dating someone, have that talk before you get married. Um, we had it after and Jessica found out then that I didn't want kids. I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to have plenty of kids around. That's what I used to say. I didn't want kids. When we found out that she was pregnant with Brandon, I knew it was 100%. Of course, we didn't know his name was Brandon at that point. But when we found out that we were pregnant for our first kid, um, who ended up becoming Brandon, um, I was complete peace because I knew it was a gift from God. I knew it was a gift from God. I didn't know there were going to be three more after that either. Um, matter of fact, the first time she said, I think, I think it's time for us to have a kid, I bought her a dog. Um, nine months later, she said it again, so I bought her a second dog. Then you know, that was only a month later. She's like, okay, dogs are enough. Let me get, I want, I want to have a baby. Um, God, God will add to us. He added four Four kids for me that I, I am so thankful for. So thankful for. He gives, he gives all these things will be added. Now, I'm sitting here talking about kids, but he has provided for all of us. I never in my life dreamed, even wanted four cars. I have four cars, and God provided them all. I didn't even go looking for them. They're just there because God provided we were down a car for about a month. This past month, we were down a car, and we had to shuffle and shuffle and shuffle because when you have four people working full-time in the house, we had to shuffle. We had to make do. God provided. No one was ever late for work or missed work. God provided. We're back up to four. It feels so nice. I do not own the fourth car anymore. One of my boys owns that car. So much nicer. Last one is this. Walk in faith. We walk in faith today. We get to walk in faith today. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about next year. It's about today. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is entitled, The Clock That Had a Nervous Breakdown. A gentleman named Ralph Phelps, in his sermon, How, not to, or How to Worry, uh, says this about this clock that had a nervous breakdown. This new clock was ticking away on the shelf, Two ticks to the second as any good self-respecting clock should tick when it began to think about how many times it was going to have to tick. Two ticks to the second means 120 ticks per minute. That's 7,200 ticks per hour. 172,800 ticks 
800 ticks per day. 1,209,600 per week for 52 weeks. A total of 62,899,200 ticks per year. Horrors. Straight away, the clock had a nervous breakdown. The clock was taken to a psychiatrist who patched up the mainspring as well as he could, then asked, clock, what's your trouble? Oh, doctor, I have to tick so much. I have to tick two ticks a second and 120 ticks per minute, 7,200 ticks per hour, and hold it, the psychiatrist cut in. How many ticks do you have to tick at a time? Oh, I just have to tick one tick at a time. Then let me make a suggestion replied the doctor. You go home and try ticking one tick at a time. Don't even think about the next tick until it's time. Just tick one tick at a time. That you can do. Faith is ticking one tick at a time, knowing that God will give us strength for the next tick. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Peter's writing this. They, they were all in all kinds of struggles. All kinds of struggles. And yet he says, they held on to an inexpressible joy. We need to remember this joy. This joy that will not come through external sources, only through our internal mindset, our spiritual discipline of faith. One of ticking one tick at a time, knowing that God will give us strength for the next tick. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I'm going to ask the music team to come. And as we think about this week, as Jesus entering Jerusalem, at this week that he had ahead of him, as he entered Jerusalem, knowing what was going to come, he walked in faith because he knew his father's plans and he knew he could hold on to those. So are we walking in faith about our physical needs? Are we walking in faith recognizing our value to the Father? Are we walking in faith with the one who holds our days? Are we walking in faith seeking his kingdom first? Are we walking in faith today for this moment? Worrying about this moment and not tomorrow. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing and invite you to stand and as John said the altars are open maybe you just need to come and say thank you but maybe you need to say come and say God increase my faith maybe there's a specific area you need to say I need more faith in this area please stand I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing Father thank you for your faithfulness thank you for your faithfulness Increase our faith.